welcome back. Thanks for joining us again today as we continue to make our way uh, through the week and through the fourth chapter of First Timothy. Today, some really, uh, I think some strong verses, really interesting verses from a leadership perspective, spoken to a young man who is trying to faithfully be involved in helping the congregation or the community. Uh, remember, just a, a word, remember yesterday, Paul is giving a word of encouragement, uh, sort of holding out for Timothy this idea of training himself in godliness and helping others. We continue that theme today. Um, we, we get, let me jump in here, um, the first few verses, then we will look at them. Uh, these are the things you must insist on and teach. And, and really, that's related to yesterday's passage. So, continuing then, verse 12 let no one despite your youth, but set the believers an example in speech, conduct, love, faith, and purity. Until I arrive, give attention to the public reading of Scripture, to exhorting, and to teaching. I think we can stop there. So um, this transition verse, verse 11. So yesterday, stay away from myths, train yourself in godliness. These are the things you must insist on and you must teach. In other words, these are things that are both important for you and for others. And that's going to be another theme that continues today. And then I, I think, Michael, probably one of the best known passages, certainly anyone in youth ministry has stumbled across this passage. Let no one despise your youth. You see this written on confirmation bulletins. You see it given to kids. You see it preached on confirmation. Hear it preached. Uh, I, I think, you know, it's a wonderful, it's a wonderful text. Um, I think maybe we, forget that it applies specifically to an individual. We use it as kind of a statement for lots of kids, and there's nothing wrong with that. But in its context, it's delivered directly to a young person. And and you and I have uh, a shared experience in that both of us finished college and seminary relatively unimpeded. Mm -hmm. um, you went straight through. I did an internship year, but both of us came out into church service without having been in another career. So um, mid mid twenties, probably for both of us. By the time we and you know, I I remember some of the tension of being a quote unquote young leader that nearly everyone in the community is older than you are in this sense of respect and this sense of when you hear something and, and maybe it needs some correction or maybe it needs some um, information and the the sort of um, tenuous path of trying not to offend anybody. And there, there's some real benefits to being a young leader, but there are some challenges. And so when I hear Paul speak that, I can't help but think, yeah, Timothy's in a rough spot. You know, Clint, if I can for a moment trouble this reading a little bit, I think often when I hear this text, uh, let no one despise your youth, let me throw it up here, uh, I, I hear it very often applied to individuals who are certainly confirmation, high school, maybe even young college, and maybe a little bit of the anachronism in that is that it's likely Timothy was not a teenager. It is likely that he is far more what we would consider uh, certainly a young adult, if not even an, a, a full adult. And 
so because of that, I think there's a little bit of dishonesty when we make a text like this a simple platitude when we say something like, um, you know, this is an affirmation that youth can change the world. This is a very sort of popular and even an encouraging sentiment. I, I don't think necessarily a bad one. I think that young people can, with their passion and uh, with their commitment, uh, they can certainly make a substantial difference in their world and our world. That said, the thing that follows this, I think, really does offer a bit of a corrective to that. Just this, this pure idea of setting an example of speech, conduct, in love, faith, and purity. In other words, I take this to not be a departure from what we've seen already in this text, but rather a continuation. Paul has said over and over and over again, it is about your deepest character. Don't be a hypocrite. Um, you know, uh, pursue these higher goods. Here again, now we see this direction directed, uh, Clint, to your point, directly at this young person saying, so don't let anyone tell you that you can't be a person of good character. Don't let anyone despise your ability to grow because of your age. Rather, set an example of the deepest sort of Christian character. If we read the text that way, then I think it's less of a kind of blanket amorphous encouragement of, you know, inspirational thoughts for young people, but rather a clarion call that there's no moment of life where we should not be pursuing Christian character, whatever our level of age, whatever our level of maturity, set an example in your pursuit of the higher order things. And and for me, that's where a text like this becomes really meaningful and maybe maybe does nuance or even, if I'm going to be honest, push back a little bit against the sort of common sermon I see attached to it. Yeah, I I think the way I might say that, Michael, and I think you're absolutely right, is that this verse is less a celebration of youth than it is a celebration of faithfulness. And, and it's an encouragement to a young person to seek that faithfulness, particularly in the context of trying to lead many who are older than he is. And and again, having been in that situation, it, that can be tricky. When people say things like, oh yeah, I used to think that when I was young, or oh yeah, right. isn't that, you know, th- there, is a, there is a certain challenge to, to navigating that. And I think you're absolutely right that it is in the back part of this verse, it is the call to be an example of faithful speech and conduct, of faithful love and faith and purity. Um, Those are the marks of leadership regardless of one's age. And I I couldn't agree more. This is more about the result of that um, discipline of pursuing those realities than it is about a particular age. Um, Though I I like this verse, and and I do think that it's a one of maybe relatively few in scripture that are that it challenges our young people specifically and I, I appreciate that about it so then we uh, continue you know until I arrive give attention to public reading of scripture to exhorting and teaching um, you know until I get there lean on scripture um, Paul is putting a lot of weight on his own presence but this is, you know, there's nothing surprising about this. So let me just continue then. Verse 14, do not neglect the gift that is in you, which was given to you through prophecy with the laying on of hands by the council of elders. Put these things into practice. Devote yourself to them so that all may see 
your progress. Pay close attention to yourself and your teaching and continue in these things. And I'm going to stop there, Michael, and just save that last bit for a little while yet. Um, This is, I think, as close to we've seen, maybe as close as we've seen so far too, just a direct charge to Timothy. Do not neglect the gift that was in you. Um, Put these things into practice. We saw this language yesterday. Devote yourselves to them so that all may see your progress. And this is a very interesting call, that a reminder that leaders, and I would say not just leaders, but that there is a sort of transparency that is demanded in Christian community. And the idea is that those we are connected to in Christ should hopefully see us growing, should see us working on things, should see us making progress in the faith, that all may see your progress. Live that out in front of people. And the unspoken word here is genuinely, really live that out. Don't give the appearance of it, but put these things into practice, devoting yourself to them, committing yourself to them, and and people are going to notice. And ultimately, that's what leaders are called to do, It is to be trusted, to become trustworthy, to be seen by the community as a person who is really trying to live out the faith. And when that's true, hopefully the community notices, and as they take note, they also then follow that example. There is a historic kind of theological rivalry It's kind of a classical argument uh, for the New Testament uh, scholars as to how we resolve the difference between grace and works. And I I think that sometimes Paul gets pitted against James, this idea that it's all grace and that James is it's about works. And and then there's these debates between folks, you know, which one is right. I think a text like this is really helpful. When you get to verse 15, put these things into practice devote yourself to them so that all may see your progress. It is clear, there is absolutely um, no question that there is a task put before Timothy as a Christian. You know, work hard on these things. And this is where I think we sometimes uh, find ourselves in traps. There's uh, particular groups of the Christian family, uh, Clint, who I think are particularly tempted by the idea of uh, being theologically perfect. They, they want to check off mm. every box, and they want to make sure before they talk to you, do you check off the same boxes? Do you read the same Bible translation? Are you uh, reading the same theology authors? Uh, do you believe this about this particular nuanced theological understanding of this very big vocabulary word? And the temptation of that is that we become fixated on our thought And we lose focus of the very concrete and, dare I say, practical task of living out the faith. And for those who are tempted, Clint, by the intellectual faith, by the theological richness of it, which is an incredible gift and important uh, that we pursue it, but when we become all fixated on that task and fail to do what is, I think, the substantial and life-transformative work of engaging in the faith in our practical day-to-day life, we lose the thrust of the gospel. And 
the the simple command here to pay close attention to yourself and to your teaching, continue in these things, for me, it's a corrective to that, a reminder we shouldn't get so fixated on knowing things that we fail to live the truth of these things. And whenever that balance uh, becomes off kilter, then we find ourselves in a very tenuous and tumultuous moment of our Christian faith. And I think this is an important corrective, especially for someone who's you know, maybe pulled in that more head faith kind of direction. Right. And we often use the word, in fact, we, we use it here. Uh, it's on our, our marker there, daily Bible study. But the point of study is always implementation. It, it is to know how to do something and then do it. If all we do is simply learn issues of the faith, if all we learn is doctrine and they don't have an impact on the way that we live— then our study has really been in vain. That is not the the point is not simply to know the Bible. The point is to learn from the Bible how to follow Jesus in our life, in what we say and do. And and I very much appreciate this assumption woven into the text that all of us have progress to make. None of us have arrived there, not Paul, not Timothy, not your pastors, that we all are at a place with much travel left to go, with much ground left to cover, and so that we must continue to strive to move forward. We are never at a point in the faith where we can coast and simply say, this is good enough. And and I very much appreciate that. And that's true of leaders. That's true of everyone who's trying to follow Christ. And then let's go, let's go back to the end of this verse and finish up here, Michael. Verse 16, pay close attention to yourself and your teaching. Continue in these things, for in doing this, you will save both yourself and your hearers. Now, I, I, I want to just say quickly that when Paul says save here, he doesn't mean that Timothy is going to save anybody. He doesn't mean that Timothy's going to save himself. He's not connecting our salvation with our knowledge or our doing. What he's saying is that in this in this role of, of being an example, we point people to Christ. And if we are pursuing the faith, we are living out our salvation. If we're doing that for ourselves, that is a great benefit because it incorporates the faith into our life. But more than that, it shows others something of what it looks like to follow Jesus. So it, it has a saving, it, it shows salvation to yourself and your hearers. I just want to be clear, Paul is not saying that this is the thing that saves us. For Paul, that's a foregone conclusion. Jesus saves us. But in paying attention to ourselves and our teaching, in working hard to move forward in the faith, we are living out our salvation, and those who watch us and hear us are seeing salvation in action, which then points those people back to Jesus Christ as well. Yeah, uh, Clint, one Bible here glosses that uh, particular word for salvation as you will ensure salvation, Hmm. uh, which is, I think, their way of trying to communicate that point, that fundamentally that Timothy's not the one tasked with the saving work, but rather with the uh, sort of the furtherance of the uh, pointing to, to use your language. And I think 
that may seem, I'm not going to use the word trivial. Um, that may seem uh, somewhat uh, f- f- simple, you know, um, but I think anyone who has sought to live out the faith in a way that is compelling and invitational to others knows how dramatic and difficult and challenging this kind of formation really is. Uh, it's one thing to be Christian for uh, a day. It's another thing to seek to live that out over the weeks and the months and the years, to slog it through in the middle of the blizzard, uh, in the middle of the heat wave, in the middle of, and I just mean that in, you know, metaphorically, the seasons of the soul. We, we will have moments where, uh, relationship with God feels present and beautiful and uh, easy, uh, simple, that we fall into it. And there are other moments in which that faith looks like waking up with the commitment, uh, I'm going to say good words to a person today who I despise, a person who's hurt me, or I'm going to choose to show up and to forgive instead of finding vengeance. In those moments of the faith, when we're seeking to take Jesus Christ seriously, the, the very one who we just in our Easter services celebrate, not only giving his life for us, but then showing us the way beyond death into new life. I mean, that truth when lived out, when when we seek to continue in that very gospel ourselves, it, it does have a way of ensuring for others or pointing others to the very good news for their own life. But, I mean, the task of doing that, Clint, is challenging. It it requires all of us, and it is a task lived out in a marathon, not a sprint. And, I, you know, I think that's a powerful reminder for a young person especially um, that you've got a long road to go, um, so definitely continue on as you seek to do these things. Yeah, so— Jane and I, during pandemic, have kind of came up. We we came up with a new practice for us, which is that every once in a while we're just going to do something we haven't done. We're going to learn a new skill. Maybe that's art. Maybe it's music. Maybe it's some. And so the, the idea is that you should regularly be trying to do a new thing and learn a new thing. Now we're not trying to perfect those things. We're just. We're just trying stuff. It, it, it's a way of kind of being continual, perpetual learners. And one of the interesting things about that is that when you start off at most of those things, you, you, you're very much a rookie. But the more you do them, you should make progress, right? That if you've done something for a year, you should be better at it. And I think we often think of the Christian life as just a switch. We either are or aren't Christian. Mm. And I, I think this is a helpful nuance to add to that idea that we grow as Christians, that the longer we've followed Christ, hopefully the better we are at it in some regard. Maybe we're more patient. Maybe we're more forgiving. Maybe we spend more time in prayer. Maybe we understand more of the Scripture. But if we've just been slogging out church for 10, 20, 30 years and really not grown, then then we've not done what Paul is discussing. We've not strived. We've not paid close attention to our teaching. We've not, we've not given ourselves to these ideas of growing in our faith. And I think that's a helpful corrective, Michael, because I think sometimes we have 
we have so held on to the idea of Christian as our identity that we've minimized the idea of Christian as our vocation and, and Christian as something we are learning and, and improving, are, are sort of uh, apprenticing following Jesus and over the course of time, hopefully getting better. Yeah. Yeah. That's uh, in some ways, it's funny that that needs said. Uh, in some ways, uh, when we think about uh, how very basic that is, you know, we may think that um, that's obvious. But the honest truth is, Clint, uh, as with other things, um, the fundamentals tend to define the trajectory of of one's growth in that thing. I, it, I've not played basketball, but that idea that you teach someone the fundamentals of basketball is essential for them to be able to grow into mm-hmm. the tactics and the strategy and all that kind of thing. I, I think as Christians, it's easy to become fixated on some of these things that even in Timothy, we might become tempted by, like what is prophecy and what are the things that we're called to uh, fixate on on, on the def- definition of sinfulness and brokenness, or you know, even how can I become more of this good thing? Uh, when we fixate on those things as opposed to the continued day by day growth with the people literally in our life, to be clear, like the the family that maybe we live with, or the coworkers that we work with, or the friends who we've been put in life with, or the church family which we seek to have and that we seek to be part of. All of that is a kind of day-by-day commitment to practice and work on these things. And there are some seasons where that will be very difficult. There are other seasons where that will come more naturally. But whatever season you're in today, you know, I think this is a good word, continue in these things. Uh, For doing so is a matter of salvation for you and for others, that we're all in the midst of God's big salvific plan, and we're seeking together to live it out in humility and faithfulness. Yeah, good last word. Thanks for being with us, friends. We will see you tomorrow. Have a good day.